Golden West Radio now brings you the Lawn and Garden Journal. Get your questions ready. Our toll-free line is open at 1-800-374-3315. Now, here's your host, Carla Hersina from St. Mary's Nursery and Garden Center. Good morning, everyone. It is a sunny morning. Not full-out sunny, but a bright morning it is here at, at least in Winnipeg and other areas of the province too as well. I hope you are enjoying the day ahead. And as I think of the day ahead, I'm thinking, spring, oh spring, where are you? It's going to be here. I have faith it will come. But as we were going home last night, uh, we stopped and I thought the river beside us the ice is breaking up and it's the power of seeing that ice and the flow of the water the strength that it has and it reminds me that yes we're all thinking of our gardens and they're thinking of how we can create something so i know that the spring breakup is here it's going to come we're experiencing late spring but quickly i know i am i'm thinking of a garden please listen my, gar- my body sits restful on this shore, my mind is idle, and in a bore. My heart yearns for something more, and I thought of a garden. Daisies dancing in my mind, regal roses, smell so fine, glad stand tall in a line, in my dream of a garden. Shovel and spade ready to toil as I push and dig in heavy soil, It's so hot my blood will boil as I construct a garden. Rain and sun come from above. In a tree is a cooing dove. My heart is now filled with love when I grow a garden. Permeating scents of mints and balm as loud cicadas sing their song. All of this peaceful calm as I walk throughout a garden. Taters, matters, cukes, delight. Each are worth all the plight to have a plethora of food in sight, all because of a garden. Nutrition and light will deploy, fill my soul with enjoying joy. Freedom of heart I will now employ within the banks of a garden. My soul is filled and now I know, as I watched my garden grow, all of this food will bestow with the harvest of a garden. Twirling circles in a dance, wildly moving in a trance. Now I know I have a chance. And it's all because of a garden. We're half, I'd say halfway through April, and we're thinking of our gardens. There's so much to do as a gardener and what we can do to prepare. But first, we're going to go right to the line. Shirley is waiting. Good morning, Shirley. Good morning. How are you? I'm good. And yourself? <laughs> oh, Fantastic. The sun is shining and trying to melt our big snow banks. <laughs> <laughs> I think, uh, yeah, I, I, I yeah. hear you on that one. It's just, it is piled so high, but I must say mm-hmm. outside my window here, um, my six foot wall that was against my window is now maybe two and a half feet. So I'm so happy that I can actually see out my window now. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Where are you calling from? Yeah. I'm calling from Kaleida. Kaleida. Well, good morning, <laughs> and- Kaleida. Uh, thank you. I was just wondering about uh, fertilizer for the flowers and the tomatoes. 
Uh, what's the difference, and can I use one fertilizer? Like I got a bunch of fertilizer left over from last year. Can I use it? Like, if can I use a flower fertilizer on my tomatoes, or should I just buy new stuff, or what should I do? Well, if you're in a pinch, like, do you know the um, when we're talking about fertilizers? We usually talk about the NPK, which are the three numbers that are on most of the packaging that tell us sort of what we're to target. Now, do you have? Mm-hmm. Do you know which? Do you know which ones you have? Oh, uh, well, I have the t- for the flowers. It's, it's got pictures of flowers on the outside. I'm not sure what, I, but it's it's a green lid kind of like it, and it's uh, a shakeable container and I can oh. shake it I but I bought quite a bit last year and I used all the fertilizer that I bought for my tomatoes and vegetables but I have quite a bit left over from the flowers can I use that on the t- on the vegetables this year Well it, you probably can because uh when we're targeting flowers uh generally if you're using a flower one where we're trying to push the blooming portion of it it's usually a 15 30 15 ratio that you have on that mix. And sometimes some uh, tomato foods, depending on the, the, the proportion of it, sometimes you'll get a, a garden food for tomatoes that will be an 18, 18, 21. You know, it, it, in, mm-hmm. in essence, it does get quite confusing of all the different ratios. Because yeah. sometimes you can get yeah. something that's a 9, 9, and an 11, which has that same equal ratio of percentage across the board. But if you're in a pinch... Definitely, you can. I would say it's not going to hurt it. Usually, in the first stages, though, when you're growing your tomatoes, if you're in an organic soil, there's probably enough um, nutrient that's in it. And in some instances, if you're starting your tomatoes at home, if you have grower blend mixes, they usually put enough nutrient in there to last for a little bit. But if you've got the shake and feed type of style, that's on it, uh, which is your granular, you can put the granular down. Use it for your annuals and your vegetables. And okay. you might want to, at some point, supplement it with a liquid feed. I know some people like to do the granular feed, but they also like to do a little bit of a liquid feed as well. Oh, okay. Well, I planted um, quite a bit in my garden last fall again. I did it two years ago, too. And the next spring, well, last year being a dry year, uh, the seeds, some of the carrots didn't come up till the fall until we finally had rain, and then they were only two inches tall. <laughs> but the beans, the, the peas did really well. The beets did fantastic in the dry weather. I didn't water. And uh, that, that we, I was surprised that the garlic, not so much. And the onions came up really good, and I didn't water. But I planted the seeds in the year before in the fall. Yeah, and you I know did what? It again this last. Yeah, uh, one of my uh, my business partner Ken here, who's with me, uh, he said it was his best year ever last year for his beets too, as well. So it's amazing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's amazing. Yeah. So hum, that some vegetables really need that moisture base to grow, and others just thrive mm-hmm. in the in the drier weather. Yeah. Well, I'm hoping this year with all the water, all the snow still on there, it's going to give it enough moisture for the whole year, whether it's dry or not, because we have, uh, one garden has still five feet of snow on it. So I don't know how it's ever going to, but we planted last fall just in case we didn't know what was going to happen this year. And if it gets some moisture in the spring, I'm hoping that it'll outlast the whole summer, dry or not. But, uh, 
was wondering if you had heard well, how it usually turns out. How, what kind of seeds can I plant in the fall? Like I, I tried a few of them, and the peas and the car- the beets did really good. Onions did good. Um, so what else can I plant in the fall that except like not potatoes and stuff like that? But yeah, is there anything um, else? Yeah, I love I love doing like beets. Uh, beets you can go in and kale, and I love doing spinach. So those are kind of those oh. cool crops and lettuce. Mm-hmm. Let lettuce oh, too. Oh, you can do that. Yeah, okay. I I have uh, just a little story. I have a, a one patch in my garden that I've never thrown new lettuce seed into. I always let some of my lettuce. Um, I think it looks kind of funky when my lettuce. Heads get to go three feet tall, and they have these beautiful florets yeah. on it. And it drops its seed, and I've never sown lettuce. Uh, although, oh. you know, I like to sell lettuce seed, but I keep cycling my mm. lettuce, and I just scatter it, let the okay. wind blow it, and let it grow. So there's a couple there more for you, okay? Yeah, I know Dill does, but I, I it just goes crazy. <laughs> dill in my oh. garden. So. Well, I'm a yeah. dill girl, so the more dill, the merrier. <laughs> oh, I can give you lots. <laughs> Actually, we gave it to the thrift shop the last couple of years now. <clears throat> and I had so many beets, I gave them to the thrift shop also. Half of the half the row, because I had, like, way too much, eh? Oh, and well, that's I wonderful. Did, I did, yeah, I was surprised that every, I think every seed grew. Even with all the lack of rain all summer, that I still had lots of beets, and the peas did wonderfully. So, oh. anyway... Oh, thank you well, very thank much. Thank you very much for sharing your story. Yeah, thank you very okay. much for sharing your stories. Okay. Yeah. Okay, well, have a good day. You too. Bye-bye. It is the Lawn and Garden Journal and our minds are going right to our gardens. There's so much to talk about, so much different capacity or, or routes to take as to what we should talk about. But right now we still have another caller on the line. We've got Jerry waiting. Good morning, Jerry. Good morning, Carla. Good morning. When I'm I'm going to ask, where are you calling from this morning? I'm calling from the city of Winnipeg. Well, it is a kind of a hazy day. I think it's going to burn off, and we're going to have a beautiful day in the city. I hope so. Carla, I have a question on dahlia bulbs. Now, in the past, I, I, I only grow a couple of them in the flower beds, and I bought them already started in a nursery. But the other day, I was in a box store, and I saw them, and I thought, I'm going to try one. Uh, so I bought uh, a package, I think it has three in it, and yesterday I thought, well, good time to plant it, I'm free. Uh, so when I open the package, uh, it's not a bulb, it's like a root, and it has five, about four to five thin fingers coming from it. Yes. Now, uh, now they're all kind of mushy and soft, and on each one there's maybe one or two what I would say, firm fingers, but the rest are just kind of mush. You can squeeze them, and there's almost liquid coming out of them. Okay. If uh, if they're super mushy and there's, like, sometimes, um, yeah, they look kind of weird when you're growing and you never know how to plant these, but you could definitely tell where the, it's almost like these fingerlings coming off of the main stem. So find where the original stem is, and sometimes if the if they've been in the packaging for a bit, they may have start started to produce an eye or a leaf set where the new stem is going to be coming up. So, if they're truly truly mushy and and super soft, I would remove the one or two. But you do need to make sure that you have some viable ones on there. So oh, yeah. rather than planting the ones, if I can squeeze it and it's like 
exuding this gelatinous goo, I would remove one or two of them that are like that and plant the other ones that are solid. Yeah, because it's, um, it's like a, a big, uh, thick root, and from the, the, the root uh, that runs, say, horizontal, uh, these things, these fingerlings drop down. Yes, from yep, it. yep, they will. They yeah. will have, sir, it's almost like the... Uh, little tubers with little extensions that go to the main, uh, the old uh, stem of the dahlia, yeah. right? Yeah. So you want to make sure, and when you're transplanting, I always think on some uh, bulb sets and some corms, if you normally plant them too deep, there's more risk of rotting, and it already sounds like you have some issues with those bulbs. So I would remove the super soft ones, but plant it slightly high on that stem, because when you go to transplant it back into the garden, you can always reset it just a little bit deeper. Deeper, okay. So, so let's just plant it a little bit closer to the surface so that there's less chance of those other uh, tuber portions of your dahlia from, you know, doing a little bit more rot. Okay. okay. If you have any sulfur dust or anything like that no, in the I garden. No, I don't. Okay. Um, but like I said, remove the mushy, mushy ones because what you're just doing is putting something that is already rotting in the soil. Okay. okay. Yeah. Yeah. Because I was thinking of taking them back, but uh, like everybody else, I throw the bill away, and, and oh. I'm sure they won't take. But I'll I'll try them and see. Because I thought uh, being mushy, maybe they had rotted in the bag. Well, some some of them will if if they're stored in a humid area, that kind of stuff. And sometimes, just by chance, you know, if you get a bag of potatoes, you sometimes get a soft one, right? Yeah, that's true. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Well, I'll go back to the drawing board and I'll try that. Okay, thank you for calling, Jerry. Have a good one. Yes, you too. Okay, bye-bye. Bye-bye. And the other tips that we should talk about is when we're planting things from tubers and from bulbs, if we plant them a little bit higher, like I said, we're going to then plant them when we get them into the garden a little bit deeper, just like some of our annuals. Uh, The other thing, too, is water well on the first port that you're planting. I hope Jerry's still listening. And then leave it. Don't rewater it if the plant has uh, moisture in the bottom of the pot because those roots will start to develop. The roots will go downward and reach into that soil to find it, and you'll start to see the emergence of it. The one thing that we don't want to do is uh, have our tubers planted in a nice big one-gallon pot and feel the top surface of the soil thinking, oh, it's dry, I need to add more water to it when at the bottom of these tubers there's still moisture down below. So that would be a compounded problem of overwatering in a bulb state. Okay, that can also cause rotting that's in there. So we have uh hi we have Mary on the line. Let's go back to the lines. Good morning, Mary. Good morning. Good morning and where are you calling from this morning? From Maryfield, Saskatchewan. Mar- where is Maryfield? <laughs> it's just a little bit uh Across the border from Verdon. Oh, I know where Verdon is because I know where Gainsborough is. There you right. go. Okay. Yes. Yes. Yeah. Well, hello, Maryfield, Saskatchewan. How can we help you this morning? Well, I'm looking at these strawberry towers that they're selling, and I'm wondering if they're actually practical for our um, climate because they need to. You need to keep them over the winter, right, before they can really bear. It depends on it depends on the tower, 
because I know I love doing sometimes ever-bearing strawberries for, for something that's fun. I will do ever-bearing strawberries in the hanging basket. So, right. And it's a little bit more of a labor, but if it's something that you really want to do to give you that sort of that effect and the flowering, because sometimes strawberry flowers are so pretty as well, that you can do uh, something that's closer to the deck or closer to where you want to just have a little pinch of them. And if you're wanting to overwinter your tower, you can actually lay it down in the portion of the garden and cover it up with some flax straw so that the next year you're lifting it and your rooting and your flowering and your fruiting would actually be increased. Oh, okay. So that would work to just lay it down and cover it up. Yeah, because we we do that occasionally with other categories of plants. Uh, We see that with uh, tea roses. If we have a tea rose, uh, they do sometimes beneficial if we dig a trough and lay the plants. We do that sometimes with our nursery stock that we've overwintered. We lay it down and we do a cover. We put it in a slight dip and we cover flax straw on top of it so that we have a, a crop for the next year. So it is known to work. Yes. Okay, good. Thank okay. you very much. Oh, you're very, and you know what? It's worth it. It's fun. It's, uh, it's something that you can enjoy, and you're going to enjoy the strawberries too as well. Okay? Yeah. Yep, I'm looking forward to it. Thank you. You're very welcome. Enjoy your weekend. Yep, you too. Bye. Oh, bye-bye. There's so much, like, we're talking about it, and now we're, we've talked about dill, and we've talked about strawberries, and even the beets. Yes, fresh fruit and food is very important and I think even this year if I do uh, give a little shout out being the um, year of the garden celebrating 100 years of horticulture it's important because the basis of it and if you look historically that the first crops that were probably done were probably the corn or in those day maize so it's important for growing our foods and we are so lucky that they're the expanse and the variety of what we can grow in a prairies and it's like northern gardening is we're so blessed to be able to have that so if you're adventuring to the garden centers to have that little pinch of spring where you are you can start looking at some of the seed packets to see which categories that you're wanting to do i know dill is going to be on my uh on my scale because i usually end up harvesting tons of it now let's go right back to lines. We have Paula waiting. Hello, good morning, Paula. How can we help you this morning on the Lawn and Garden Journal? Uh, yes, I was just wondering. I have uh, little tiny flies in my soil, and I transplanted some tomato that I had started it, and uh, I don't know, they seem to, like, I guess, suck the root or something, and then the tomato flops over. But I was just wondering, how can I get rid of these flies in the soil? I've tried... Every, I've tried some uh, insecticide, dust, and that, and nothing seems to work. Some soap and <laughs> okay. Um, if it's the tiny flies now, um, sometimes tiny flies—they're not on the tomatoes themselves, but they're on the soil. Correct? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. When we see that we have uh, little flies that are on the soil, they're actually called fungus gnats, and uh-huh. they love uh, decaying matter, which is soil. They love damp soil. So a few things that you can do is uh, I know that we target different areas where if I see a a sort of a high population of them having happening, um, you can use little sticky strips or something to sort of find out where your high population is. And 
I'm going to ask that your house plants and your uh, crops that you're growing, let them dry out a little bit more between your watering stages. Because if the tops of your soil are kept moist, it's the perfect space for the adult to lay its eggs in. And then, uh-huh. yeah, and what you want to do is you want to break that cycle from an adult to an egg back to an adult. Okay? So if you break that uh, cycle, it will help you to reduce the amount of fungus nets. Okay? Oh, yeah. Okay. There isn't anything that I could really put into the soil to kind of kill them off, eh? Well, it has, with fungus nets, because they're a flying uh, insect, you're going to have to, it's basically by contact. If uh-huh. you wanted to, there is a product called Insectagon or uh, Diatomaceous Earth that you can uh-huh. sprinkle on. It's an organic property that you can put on the top of the soil. And as the larvae, uh, anything that is in the larvae stage that crawls through it in any crawling insect, it cr- creates this lancelated, it kind of rubs against their body and opens it up and it causes its demise, basically. So uh-huh, uh-huh. if you have a large portion of it, like if you have a lot of tomatoes and a lot of plants. Uh, well, it's just in, in my, uh, in, well, I've got them in like a little pl- uh, pot and stuff, yeah. Yeah, just, you know what, try and dry them out and even cultivate, uh, get a little garden fork and just cultivate up the soil a little bit so that it gets some air deeper down and dry out those larvae eggs, okay? Okay, all right. Okay, okay. thank you. See if that works. You're very okay. welcome. Okay, bye-bye. Bye-bye. Have a great weekend. And when we talk about gardening, I usually have a bit of things that I put around me that I kind of think, what should we talk about today? And when we're talking, it seems like bulbs and planting is definitely high on the list. And I have to say I'm excited because we we did get our collection of bulbs in. And I think the one thing, or maybe it's just because I'm hungry this morning, is I looked at the bulbs and the potatoes have arrived So, yes, and the color that we get from some of our potatoes and our vegetables makes cooking exciting. It makes us think of the different culinary aspects of what we can do. So if you're looking for potatoes, they're probably uh, hitting your garden centers right now, is look for ones, and these are the ones that I think are really kind of cool. I don't know if my mom and dad would be into these, but... In the days that white potatoes was always the white potatoes, then we got into bakers and boilers. But now there's varieties called Violet Queen. These are gourmet seed potatoes, and they are fabulous. If you've never grown them, yes, they kind of have a blackish, deep-toned skin on the outside. But what makes it really, really unique is this mottled purple-white tone when you're slicing it open. Now, some of you may have been familiar with some of the other ones, Uh, like Russian blue. These ones are deep, intense purple. They have a softer color tone that's on the more brownish with a hint of the purple that's on the outside. But again, gourmet lights. And even if you want to head into ones that have this deep orange, reddish skin with a yellow tone to them, try Prince of Orange. Just imagine fresh potatoes, how good they taste, just like everything else. And it becomes this culinary aspect that what are we growing? What are we wanting? It's the time where we can start planning our garden. I know as I walk about the garden center here and I look at it, I'm always teased by the colors and by the shades of the plants that are out here. So it's best to make a plan 
What am I doing? Where am I putting? And don't forget, if it's the vegetable garden, you want to make sure that you're doing your crop rotation because crop rotation actually helps with putting uh, value back into the garden, like as in if you're doing beans. And it also helps to prevent certain bugs from repeating and coming back. So crop rotation and planning is key for a successful garden. Let's go right to the lines. We have Holger. Hi. Hi there. How are you? And how do you pronounce your name? It's Holger. Holger. Hello. Right. I, I just, I, you know what? I want, I, that's what I thought. And I thought, okay, I'm just going to have you correct me. Well, thank you for <laughs> calling in. Yes. It, in regards of that lady who talked about the flies. Yes. We had the same problem. And I went and I bought a product which is called OnGuard. On and it's pro-perm insect killer. Oh, okay. And I actually, I don't know what the place is called, but I bought it on Regent Avenue. Okay. And it's right beside Holdsley, Holdsley Plumbing. Okay, It's a small well, little store, go. and they deal with all kinds of uh, pesticides and everything. And it is a water base. I sprayed everything. I even sprayed the windows. Yeah. And about two days later, we didn't have no more flies left. Well, there you go. I like that. So it's just some information for that lady. So, Okay, well, thank you very much. You know what? Sharing information is so good. It's like sitting at the coffee shop early in the morning and sort of hashing out what we, what we can do to help each other. So that's wonderful. Right. Yes. Okay. And where are you, and where are you calling from this morning? Ghana, Manitoba. Ghana, Manitoba. It's actually well, St. Uh, St. Clement's area. Oh, yes. Yep. Yes, I know where that is. Yeah. Well, thank you very much for sharing your information, and thank you for calling us. No problem. Have a good Journal. weekend. You too. Okay, bye-bye. Bye-bye, Holger. Bye-bye. There's always information, and I'm learning as long with you. If you find something that works and you're able to share it with other people, I think it's a win-win aspect of it. It's all those different things. Now, I talked to you about the... Uh, potatoes, because the bulbs are going through. Yes, your gladiola bulbs are going to be there. Your Actually, uh, what else would be there? Lilies would be there. The other thing, too, if you wanted to do a venture into gardening with the bulbs, we can't forget, there's also that tropical flair that we want, not just the flowers, not just the vegetables and the fruit. Maybe you want to start some elephant ears. And you may think, what is an elephant ear? Well, elephant ears can either be a perennial, Virginia is what it's called in the perennial side, or you can do alocasia, big, dramatic, tropical leaf structures. And yes, you can buy it as a plant at the garden centers where they can bring them in as a pre-finished, or you could adventure and do your own by planting a bulb. So there's different types and different categories of gardening all over the place. Now... One of the things I wanted to venture to uh, into is I know that Easter is coming up. It's coming up very quickly. So there's a lot of plants that we categorize ourselves for going into the Easter season that's on it. So venture to your stores that you see. The lilies are there, the peace lilies, the mums. They're all beautiful plants that you can either celebrate with your Easter or give a gift of someone because I know gardening is big and flowers are such a welcoming, enjoying, beauty, beautiful thing to give. 
Now, if we're going through, I should say, okay, I'm looking through my notes because it's this, how much can we talk about in the gardening world? And I have to say that when we were talking about all the fruits and the vegetables of planting, the year of the vegetable is the tomato. So yes, believe it or not, the year of the tomato. And when we're going through it, some of you may have started some of your tomatoes earlier. And this is the one thing that I wanted to say was if you're creating your tomato plants and you find that they're stretching a little bit high, tomato plants are one of those ones that you can actually uh, plant a little bit deeper into it. So if you're planting it into a little bit deeper, the stemming of your tomatoes, if you hang on to them long in a pot and you find that the actual stem is originally kind of furry that's on it, it looks kind of fuzzy and furry that's on it, those are potential roots that will develop if you plant it slightly deeper. If you have incorrect lighting or your lighting isn't as great, you'll probably find that your leaf sets between your uh, leaf sets, which is called an internode, if the fancy side of it, is too much. Increase your light levels. Drop your light so that it's closer to your leaves that are on it, and that will help to shorten the node between it. And if you're having to upsize the size of your tomatoes because they are getting very big, A, maybe you have to slow down a bit. Maybe don't bump it into that next size pot because there is the endurance of plants growing longer in those cells of that pot. You're probably thinking, really? Yes, because if you're taking a plant that's in a one-inch pot full of soil and you're quickly then taking into a three-inch, it could sustain itself in that for a fairly long period of time. And if you're doing that, eventually when you take it to the garden, again, it could be planted deeper and possibly removing some of the lower leaf sets to drop it even deeper to make that plant stronger. The other thing, if you're planting some of your uh, seedlings and they are getting long, which in some terminology is called leggy, it's called stretchy or stretched, putting a fan on it will help to encourage the strength of that stem so that it has the endurance to stand up a little bit stronger. So the year of the vegetable is the tomato and the tomato is contrasting because it has so many benefits for it. And I know that we're all having a little bit of a giggly. We can never get away from the tomato because it gives us so much that it has so much that you can use it raw or cooked in dishes such as sauces, salads, even drinks. Hey, tomato juice, it's so good. It's packed with vitamin C and so many other different things. And it's actually actually been recorded to sort of help your heart. There's the heart benefits. There's one tomato that's out there that's called um, Health Kick that's in there that even has the properties that are in it. If acidic tomatoes are too much for you, then maybe choose tomatoes that have slightly yellow tinges and not tinge the red, which has the high acidic count that's on it. And this isn't medical advice. This is just reports of things that help that maybe that tomatoes have the properties that are in them for even helping vision. It helps against the skin. There's so many different perks about the different types of capacities that vegetables are so good for us. And being homegrown is even better for it. 
So there's a little list, and I know that uh, some of you have maybe gone through. What type of tomatoes are you growing this year? Is it the Manitoba bush for sure? Early girl? Yes, a true tried tomato that's in there. Some of you may like the Juliet's or the Jubilees. Health Kick is number one on the table that, that's our, at our place. And if you're wanting to do pastes and sauces, why not the tomato that is the Roma variety, which is so good. It's very uh, fleshy, thick that's in there, so little seed, and it makes great sauces. So those are a little bit, and that's a shout out for the vegetable of the year. I know a lot of us are out there thinking about all the different types of stuff. And myself, tomatoes, salsa is the number one in my household. And it's uh, delicious as as it is if you do say yourself. Now, when you're planting, you're planting with a plan. And not only are we planting for a plan for vegetables, But I know that the Home and Garden Show is really on in the city here. So there's a lot of aspect of people that are eager to start thinking about what they're doing in their yards. What am I going to do? What am I going to improve? Or if you're a newbie gardener, how do I start? How do I start with creating something if I have an existing yard or if I have a yard that is like a clean slate? The number one thing that you should do is plan. This is a plan where you're thinking of the entire aspect. And we're talking landscaping because this is the season where we're all thinking ahead. And part of the landscape around our properties gives us this character of our home, gives us a character of what we want to do, what type of environment we want to create that is around us. And it's a creation of activity. My plan is going to include a raised garden bed so I'm no longer at the age that I am that I'm gardening on the ground. I want an area where I can walk out the kitchen and maybe have some containers where I can, yes, maybe pick a few strawberries from my strawberry patch that's there. So starting with a plan is important. And if you're looking for it, you can build your garden in stages. You can build your garden in aspects of whether you're wanting to do apple trees, fruit trees, uh, blueberry bushes. But the importance, if I gave any information on the landscaping side to anyone, is a dedicated plan so that you know the direction of which you're going, if you're going to do it in smaller stages or if you're going to do the whole thing. It's good to know what works where. And now if you have existing properties, this is one thing that you want to look at because the character of your home and what's pre-existing ties in with maybe the landscape that you're wanting to create. Is there that majestic tree that's in the yard that it has this glorious feel that's to it? How do we incorporate that in the design to keep it the integrity of that so that it brings the garden to to a theme, to a continuance of what you want to create? Now, large properties, whether they're large or they're small, you sometimes think of garden rooms, and garden rooms can be developed as destinations in your yard. So instead of traveling, create your yard, make it into a destination spot, whether you want that shady back portion of the yard to be sort of that cool reservoir area where I can go sit, sip on my lemonade and read a book, and maybe leave the hot area for definitely the garden space. 
Thank you, everyone, for spending time with us on the Lawn Garden Journal. I hope you envision what your garden is going to look like this year. Think about it. Have fun with it. Plan it. We'll be back next Saturday on the Lawn Garden Journal. Bye-bye, everyone.